Welcome to the Old Bridge Baptist Church podcast. We hope you find the following sermon to be edifying for your walk with the Lord. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page. You can also visit our website at obb.church for more info. Now here's the sermon. Thank you, Harry. It's good to be here with you. I'm like an old boot, right, at this point. So no more need for introduction. Um, it's been uh, it's been great coming up here and now to be the pastor, and we're excited and we're just keep us in prayer. We're we're scrambling around. When we left Ireland, we basically didn't have anything, so we're trying to scramble, scramble around, get some furniture together, and um, and then get prepared for the move. So we appreciate your prayers. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna preach a series out of the book of Philippians, um, but today we're gonna build a foundation. Okay, uh, we we put an extension on our house, and we uh, they say in Ireland a garage. We built a garage instead of a garage. It's kind of hard for me to say, to be honest with you. So we built a garage, and both times I laid the foundation of about 18 inches of concrete, uh, which is very important. Because if you don't lay a solid foundation, although the house may look great, it'll collapse, right? And so that's what we want to do here. So we're going to be doing a little bit of turning. Uh, we're not going to be in Philippians much today. But the title of my message is God's Program. So it's always a challenge when you're doing a, um, a new book because you want to lay the foundation. And uh, it's almost like an introduction to a book. When you're reading a book, an introduction and... Uh, you know, you want to get over, get past the introduction and go right to chapter one. But I think this is important. And what I tried to do is also make it pertinent. So I have titled the message today as God's program. And uh, when we were in Ireland, we were involved with two church plants. One was a co-plant and the other one we planted on our own. And uh, we, had a we had, you know, specific programs we tried to use to reach community and to build up the saints. And people would say, you know, what program are you doing or what would you recommend? And I'd say, my program is to be plugged into God. That's it. There's no program to build a church. Uh, there's no program uh, that, that's going to, uh, discipleship program uh, specifically that's better than any other one. The program is to get plugged into God. And uh, that's God's program. Now, the Apostle Paul was used of God uh, to start the church at Philippi. And so that's kind of the background we want to get to. Now, let me, so the title is God's program. I'm going to give you the points. I like to give the points ahead of time. Uh, number one, God has a specific plan for your life. That's the first thing we're going to see today. Number two, God's plan for you is strategic. There's a strategy behind the plan. Number three, God's will is clear. That's not always the hard part, okay? And I don't believe it is the hard part. We'll talk about that. The hard part is being obedient. So God's will is clear, but not necessarily easy. And the Apostle Paul could have testified to that. Number four, um, things don't always go as planned. We plan, and then God directs. And number five, those who walk with God have a special relationship with each other. So that's all the foundation will build that'll lead into 
than our study of the of the book of Philippians. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the word of God. We thank you, Father, that your word that was uh, written um, so many years ago and written consisting, Lord, of, of uh, 66 books, um, or 40 books, rather, and, uh, and, and several authors, and on three continents, and in at least three different languages, and yet there's this cohesiveness of the Word of God. And uh, we can take the Word of God and we can know that it all fits together like a puzzle. And pray today as we look at your Word, as we study it, as we consider it, that you have a program. We pray that we would get plugged into it. We pray today, Lord, we would build a foundation for our study in the book of Philippians. But also there would be practical things that you would speak to us today because we need to hear from you. And as Martin Luther said many, many years ago, that whoever wants to hear from God should read his word. And so we want to hear from you today. So, Father, we thank you for all these things, and we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God's program. God has a specific plan for your life. Now, first thing I'm going to do is to have you go to, we're going to turn a little bit here today. Galatians chapter 1, verse 4. Don't get so caught up in decisions. i got to make these decisions. How is God leading me? That's not the hard part. And we'll talk about that in a moment. The biggest plan that we often miss for our lives is God's plan is to make us more like Jesus Christ. God's plan is to get the world out of us. And for us to be holy and set apart to him. That's what we should be concerned about first of all. That's the biggest thing that we should be concerned about. Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins. Now look at this. That he might deliver us from this present evil age. God saved us. Not so we can go to heaven. Because if God saved us so we can go to heaven. We would get saved and go to heaven. God saved us to make us more like Jesus Christ. And to bring us in a closer relationship with him. That is the primary reason we're saved. And we got to get a hold of that. Now, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 9. Same thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is very important for us. If we're going to understand what God's will for us is, we have to understand this. Because... In order for us to understand God's will for us, we have to draw close to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful by whom you were called. You were saved. Why did God save us? Into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God saved you so that you can draw close to Jesus Christ. And oftentimes we tell people that, no, I go to church or my Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Yes, it is. 
the relationship is us spending time with God and being made like Jesus Christ. That's God's primary goal in our lives. So that's God's program. Now, we don't have to turn here. Famous passage, probably most of us are familiar with, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. Okay? So we're praying sometimes for God's will. And we'll see this with Paul. God has a specific plan, right? What does God want me to do? That word where it says, that phrase where it says, acknowledge him in all of your ways, acknowledge him. That means to draw close to him. And then I'll direct your paths. Which ties into what we just said. You see, if you draw close to God, you won't miss his plan. That's the challenge. It's the same in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, I urge you, brethren, by the grace of God, uh, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's a very quoted today. I think it was Galatians 2.20, right? I'm crucified in Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. That's the idea. We die to self. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Verse 2 tells us, Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and perfect will of God. So in order for us to understand God's will, we've got to get the world out of us. We've got to draw close to him. We've got to spend time with him. God's plan, God's primary plan for your life, is have a close relationship with him. Which means we need to spend time with him. Now, go to now Acts chapter 16, because this is Paul's second missionary journey. We're talking about here planning, or, or again, building a foundation for the book of Philippians. Well, here's where we start. On Paul's second missionary journey, the apostle Paul along with Silas and Timothy. Acts 16, verse 6 we'll go to. By the way, I'll give you an interesting fact. The only time, and I could be wrong, but from what I saw in the book of Acts through several readings, the only time the apostles pray for God's leading for God to reveal his will is in Acts chapter 1 when they were um, trying to find a replacement for Judas. And that's it. So with all their travels, they never prayed for God to show them what to do. He just did because they were close to him. Now, Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Now, when they had come through uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. So that's what they're trying to do. That's what they feel like they should do. After they had come to Messiah, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. If we're off track. We're close to God and we're off track. God will put us back on track. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia to help us. That's often referred to as the Macedonia call. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
And so the Spirit of God prevents them to go into Asia, and he moves them into Macedonia, which is, which is Greece, right? That's that they were moved into Greece to preach the gospel. The point is, God has a specific plan for your life. Some people believe that you get saved, and then you kind of do whatever you want. That's up to you. That's not the teaching of the scriptures. God saves you and has a specific path for your life. Where are you going to live? Who are you going to marry? Etc. That's God's plan. God lays out a plan. In fact, that plan, according to Psalm 139, verse 16, you know that your life was written in a book before you were ever born. That's how specific God's plan is for your life. And that doesn't mean we don't make decisions or we're not responsible for decisions. God is big enough to do both, right? He's sovereign and we have responsibilities and decisions. But God moves them into Greece and the first church that they plant is the church in Philippi. The church he will be writing to later from a prison. Okay, so we're trying to build a foundation. So this church was probably planned around 50 to 51 AD. AD. It's the first European church. That's planned. Now, number two, God's plan for you is strategic. Okay? Uh, when we went to Ireland to plant a church, we went first to Port Leash because it was the fastest growing town in Europe. We want to go where the people were, and it's growing. And when it's growing, it was a transient, which usually means it's, it's easier for the gospel to, to preach the gospel in the transient area. Uh, later, we would go to Tullamore, which, which we went there because in that whole county of Hawley, there wasn't any evangelical churches in the whole county. So we said, well, let's go there because there aren't any churches. There's tons of churches in other areas in Ireland, but we'll go here. So there's a strategy, and God has a strategy. So what's the strategy? We see it in verses 11, um, 11 and 12, we'll talk about here. Therefore, selling from Troas, we ran straight course to Samoth of and next came to Neapolis. And from there to Philippi, which is, now look at this, the foremost city of that part of Macedonia and in a colony. So we get some insight here. Why did the Spirit of God, and, and, it's, and it says, and we are staying in that city for some days. So why did the Holy Spirit, what was the strategy of the Holy Spirit living, leading them to Philippi to, to plant a church? Well, it was a force, foremost city. It was a, a prominent city in that region. It was a colony. It was a Roman colony. In fact, Philippi was a city that they would call um, a miniature Rome. They tried to make it a miniature Rome. There, there was, you know, a, over a thousand miles separating uh, Philippi from Rome. So they tried to make it a, a, a miniature Rome to influence people. Now, it was, it was uh, about eight miles from the port. So again, transient, which is good. It was also on a Roman road. A primary Roman road. We, we've heard of the track sometimes where we, 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 we try to lead people to Christ through the Roman roads. Well, in those days, they had Roman roads that they made, and they were about 12 feet wide, and, and, and they were um, state-of-the-art for people to travel on, okay? Uh, walk on, you know, lead your mule, etc. And so, it was a busy area. 
And so, and it was also an area of a multicultural area. Even though they were trying to make it into a, a miniature Rome, there was still a Hellenistic um, influence in that area. And Hellenism goes all the way back. If you go to Alexander the Great, and he conquered the world, and the Greek culture, and all the great philosophers, that culture was still uh, very prevalent in that region. And so you would have both, uh, you would have a lot of Gentiles there as well, and some Jews, but you would have, it was a um, multicultural to reach all types of cultures because if someone gets saved and they go back to their land, then they can bring the gospel there. So God has a strategy. And so God's strategy was that. Now God also has a strategy with us. God made us a certain way. And we could go into Psalm 139 verses 13 to 16, but I'll leave that for you for your reading. But it speaks about how God had uh, made us specifically, individually, in our mother's womb. No two people are alike. Fingerprints are different. You're made specifically with a certain personality that God made you right from the womb. Certain strengths and weaknesses. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15.10, By the grace of God, I am who I am. That's what Paul wrote. There are certain things that we are passionate with, and God will use that for his glory. Okay? For us, in Ireland, we use a lot of sports ministries. Why? Because that's what we were interested in. <laughs> I have a sports background. I mean, that was the beginning and the end of it. I remember people calling me up all the time and, and saying, hey, these sports ministries, tell me about it. I said, well, I'm just trying to integrate into the culture, and this is the way to do it. But it could be a million different ways you do that. That's how God made me. And God made you a certain way. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, I protest that I have no choice whether to be the chalice or the basin. He's talking about the, the Last Supper, the, the basin for the, for the feet to wash at the Last Supper or the chalice to drink, to, to juice. Fain would I be whichever the Lord will, so as long as he will but use me. So you, my brother, you may be the cup and I will be the basin. But let the cup be a cup and the basin a basin, and each one of us just as what is fitted to be. Be yourself, dear brother. For if you are not yourself, you cannot be anybody else. So you see, you must be nobody. Do not be a mere copyist. And so be, see how God has, look at your interest, look at your gifts, and as Paul said to Timothy, stir up your gifts. Use them for the glory of God. Don't try to be somebody else. And so God's plan is strategic even with you. The way he made you. The people he put around you. It's a strategy to be an influence for Jesus Christ. Number three. God's will is clear, but it's not necessarily easy. Now we're in the book of Acts. Let's stay here. Let's go to Acts 23. And a lot of this background, we're really, we're, we're looking at the Apostle Paul. 
again, he's the one that God used primarily with his team to plant the church at Philippi. And we're getting this, this background here. Acts chapter 23, verse 11. Paul is led by God to go to Jerusalem to bring uh, money to the church there at Jerusalem because they were poor. And as he's led there, he runs into a lot of problems with, with the Jews. And they want to beat him and kill him. He makes an appeal to the Roman government as a Roman citizen. And then he is being uh, led to go to Rome. In verse 11 of Acts, it says, But the following night the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. For as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you also bear witness at Rome. So he's saying to Paul, Paul, I led you to Jerusalem and, and you're being threatened by people that you might die. But don't worry, I'm going to get you to Rome safely. So that's God's will. But it doesn't mean it's easy. Verse 12. And when it was day, some of the Jews band together and bound themselves on their nose, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. God's will, I'll take you to Rome. But people are trying to kill him right now. Now, let's continue on. Go to Acts 27. Again, this will help give us a background, but also some application for ourselves. Acts 27. God's will is clear. Okay. God isn't trying to hide his will from us, but it's not always easy. God's will for Paul was, I'm going to get you to Rome. Don't worry. Look at chapter 27, verse 18. They're in a boat. And because we were exceedingly tempest tossed the next day, they lightened the ship. On the third day, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. You get the picture? God says, you're getting to Rome. Don't worry. Cool. Clear sailing. No. They're in a boat. They're hungry. They think they're going to die many days like this. He spends a day and a night floating in, in, on a piece of wood. So just because God's will is clear, it doesn't mean it's easy. Now I'll give you a stupid, uh, an easy, it's not really a hard illustration um, or like some massive significant illustration, but something we can relate to, something practical. When we bought our second home in Ireland, we put an extension on it because we made a good profit from our first home. And then as soon as we bought that home about six months later, or not, maybe a couple years actually, I'm thinking, um, the recession hit. And our home value, even with the extension that we put on, lost about 65%. And we never recovered, not even close to that. But that was God's will. Now you can look at that and say, man, I made a bad decision buying that. I shouldn't have done that. Because somehow we read into results and say, that couldn't have been God's will. It was God's will.
Because will means they're the way we think of God. I'm when God says to him, you're going to make it to the Wow, this would be a nice boat ride. Well, it was far from that, wasn't it? And so Paul now, he's on his way to Rome, right? We see. And go to the end of uh, Acts chapter 28. Because again, we're building this, this little background here. So chapter 28 of Acts, verse 28. Paul finally gets to Rome. Acts 28, verse 28. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. So he gets to Rome. He gets the opportunity again to share the gospel. And then the Bible says in verse 28, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came into him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So when Paul got to Rome, he was under house arrest. And it says here he was under house arrest for two years. And that's when he wrote to the Philippian church, the book of Philippians. Under house arrest. Okay. But he's under house arrest. And you can see from this passage, there's people coming in and coming out. So he has opportunities to receive visitors and to preach the gospel, okay? Um, again, God says, you'll get to Rome. Hardship, storm, no food, shipwreck, freezing cold, floating on a piece of wood, and then prison. Just because it's God's will doesn't mean it's easy, okay? Now, number four. Things don't always go as planned. Through this point, I want us to see, as we paint the background, is that Paul had two imprisonments in Rome. Sometimes there's confusion there. The one in Philippi was his first, but he was released from prison. And he knows he's going to be released. He says it. The second one, Brother Mark read in, in, the, in 2 Timothy, is his final imprisonment where he will die in a Roman prison. There's two different imprisonments. And how do we know that? Well, like we said before, we can piece scriptures together. And I think we can get a good idea there. But understand this, that things don't always go as planned. Now, I want you to go to Titus chapter 3, okay? What I'm showing you here is that this imprisonment, or eventually, because we'll get to Timothy, that Paul, I think what happened is Paul was in Philippi for two years, then he was released, then he went to Crete, okay? And was used of God to start churches on the Isle of Crete. There's no mention of Crete in Acts. Okay? 
on his missionary journeys. So this, this book here, Titus chapter 3, and his, his visit to Crete and planting churches in Crete is not recorded in the book of Acts. It goes beyond Acts. Okay? Now, that'll help us to understand there's two Roman imprisonments. And, and I think it always, these things are good too because it gives, gives us credibility to the word of God, how it fits as a puzzle. Now, I want you to go to Titus chapter 3, verse 12. Actually, you know what? Sorry. Go, go to Titus chapter 1 first. Sorry about that. Verse 5. Look at verse 5, Titus chapter 1. For this reason, I left you in Crete. He's writing to Titus, okay? The fact that he left Titus in Crete means that he was in Crete. Never recorded in the book of Acts that he was there, okay? So when did this happen? Well, we know we left the book of Acts, he was in prison. And in, 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 in Philippians, he speaks about he's going, he knows God's going to get him out of prison. So when did this happen? He got out of prison, then he went to Crete, okay? Now, look at first, um, sorry, go, go to chapter three now. Okay, so he's in Crete. In chapter three, verse 12. When I sent Artemis to you, or Tychicus, be diligent to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. He starts the church, he's out of prison. He's going to be five Philippines. He's out of prison. He's right and his plan spend winter and we may plan plan what builds a house and doesn't should plan we also have to know that God hurt plan Now, and that's Paul, because I want you now to go to Second Timothy, chapter four, this passage. Brother Mark was text that he Second Timothy, chapter four. I want us to see again that the imprisonment that Paul writes about in Philippi, he was under house arrest for two years. And then this is a separate imprisonment. What happened after Paul gets out of Philippi? I just want to make that distinction. Verse 13. Chapter 12, excuse me, Second Timothy 4, verse 12. In case I sent Ephesus, I left with Carpus and Troas, when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. So he's asking for the parchments. Now, go back to chapter 
was at hand. I fought a good Finally, there is laid in me the crown of righteousness with the Lord. The righteous judge will give to me on that day, and not only, but also all who have loved his appearing. Paul writes this book, and when he writes it, he writes it from change. It tells us in the beginning of it. He's chained up. And when is he chained up? This is separate because he knows he's going to die. So there's two imprisonments, okay? When Paul writes from Philippi, uh, from the book of from Philippi, he's writing after the Acts 28. He's there and under house arrest for two years. Now, go to Philippians chapter 1, and we'll just touch on this. Look at a couple of verses here because we kind of alluded to. you to know, brethren, the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. What happened? He's in prison. God said you'll get to Rome. Didn't tell him he'd be in prison. That wasn't Paul's plan. It's God's plan. As far as Paul knew, Paul's going to get to Rome. That's it. Didn't know about prison. So it was that it had all the rest that my chains is in prison. End of Acts 28, he's under arrest for two years. This is where he's at. People can come and go, and he's using that as an opportunity to propagate the gospel. So it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. What does he mean? Why are you here, Paul? The palace guard asked. Because I've preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he gets an opportunity to share the gospel. Okay. So he says to them. There's a reason. Even though this isn't my plan. It goes back to this again. Is that God has a specific plan. And we can plan. And they take a deep And God's plan. Sitting there and but Jesus Christ, and things are happening. wrap up those who God When you have believers that are walking with God and walking in the light, there is a close intimate. about a war that goes in the church because the problem is there's a war there, there's a bunch of people that are giving into their flesh instead of yielding to the spirit of God and so as believers in Christ when we walk close to God there's unity with one another now I want to see that this church in Philippians First of all, Philippians chapter 4. Paul is writing this church. He's in a prison. 
And we'll see why later, next time. But I wanted to see a couple of things about this church. Therefore, my beloved and long my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. It's a special relationship. And I'll show you how... how how strong this relationship goes. Go down to verse 13, chapter 4. He speaks about giving. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in beginning the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only for even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities see the special relationship for I seek the I not that I seek the gift but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account isn't that amazing Paul now look at this Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from, from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Let me tell you what happened. Paul is sitting under house arrest, and one day Epaphroditus shows up at the house. He travels 1,200 miles. This is, this is why Paul is, this is, this is how Paul knew what was going on in Philippi, right? This is how this book, this is how it all comes about. He's sitting in prison. He's chained. He's in house arrest, but he's chained. He's not in a country club, okay? And, and, and this friend comes and he travels 1,200 miles, which would have taken it over 1,200 miles, at least 60 days. And then you got to go back, right? For one reason, he wanted to give a gift, a monetary gift to Paul. Now that is a special relationship. There is a special relationship with the Paul in this church. Those who walk with God have a special relationship with each other. And he would have brought information out to church. And he's telling him, he's updating the church. And so when Paul hears information, he sends Timothy back with a letter. And that letter is the book of Philippians. And that's how we have the book of Philippians. Now, as we just wrap it up, one other passage I want to show you, and we'll close in prayer. So we have the background. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 25. I want you to see Paul's love and the love, again, the special love Epaphroditus has for Paul and Paul has for the church at Philippi and they have for him. Yet I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger, 
right? He's the one that came up. He was the messenger. And one who ministered to my need. Since he has long, he, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I sent him more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. You know what he's saying there? He wanted that relationship with this dear brother. Next week, we'll begin a 10-week study on the book of Philippians. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the truth that we see from your word. And Father, we pray that in this week's psalm, that this that it will speak to us. And it will encourage us and challenge us in our walk with you. Father, we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old Bridge Baptist Church. Please consider subscribing to our podcast on the platform that you're currently listening on. We appreciate your support and we hope you have a God-blessed day.